Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Ooh, happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! It's me, Halloween, Kiefer. And Allison Libe. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I've never had a name that works to make scare like the Simpsons style Treehouse of Horror and Twitter. Um, I wish I did. Spook. No, there's nothing. No. I got it's nothing. Too, it's like too much where it's like, wait, what are you? Um, but I'm Alison Libe, and welcome to the super special Halloween episode that concludes our October spook. Spectacular, scare, extravaganza, phantasmagorium of uh, classic horror movies and also the worst candies. Yes, we have been trying them out <laughs> and we are here with the number one rated or suggested terrible candy. And that is, of yes. course, plain black licorice. Black, and we both bought uh, Australian style soft black licorice, which was all I could find. Yeah, mine says Australia's original soft eating licorice. And the fact that soft is concerning enough eating licorice, it implies that there is some sort of like you also would use it to like clean out a wound. Like a soft suppository. Yeah, use it to induce vomiting. So (laughs) cheers. We're both holding huge pieces of licorice. It smells so intense. Oh, it's so soft. God, I hate. I don't. That. I don't know. I don't know how anyone who is buying this. Why does this still exist? Who is this for? And like, here's the thing. I really like bitter liqueurs. I really like amaros and other things in that world. Like, I like that, and it should stand to reason that this might be good to me. Yeah. And instead, it is fucking disgusting. It's something, yeah. Like, if you lived in Victorian England and this is the I, only thing available to you, you would be like, oh, a delicious treat. Yeah. We've moved past that time in history. I want it to be mintier, and it's not... I just... I hate it. I really hate it. It's bad. I honestly thought the good and plenty was going to be worse because of the shell, but I understand the shell now. Now I get the shell because it's keeping all of the disgustingness in one place. Yeah, I'm going to give this a one. This is a one for me. This is a one. So... If you've been keeping track, I hope you certainly haven't been buying the candy and eating it with us. <laughs> yeah, please don't try any of this except for Whoppers. But yeah, Whoppers came out hot on top. You know, yeah. and I, I really couldn't uh, disagree. I certainly didn't give it a nine like Allison did. Candy corn, terrible. Uh, white chocolate, white chocolate, awful. awful. Good and plenty, disgusting. Disgusting. But there is nothing worse than a black, plain piece. Ugh. Of, of soft black chewy licorice. black licorice. I think our rankings are the same. I'm sure we've given different scores here and there, but this is definitively the worst candy. And we're only really saying that because we both tried to purchase circus peanuts and yes. could not find them, which they either exist. means they've stopped making them and we're all free, or that people do buy them and they sold out. <laughs> which, I mean, I'm assuming it's the latter I, because yeah, we both tried to get them. The I mean, former. did. 
Did we, you know, the former, yes. <laughs> Did we plan ahead and buy them online and have them shipped? No, of course no, not. No, of course not. We, we both don't... went to the drugstore and were like on the phone being like, I can't find any. And, you know, that's probably the first time somebody was upset they couldn't find circus peanuts at a store. So <laughs> Right, yeah. I yelled at, the, yelled at the store manager, where are the circus peanuts? I want the circus peanuts. So in addition to these five terrible candies that we have mm. counted down all month, um, Hatley also found a special edition disgusting yes. candy that I didn't even find. And this is, of course, Brock's Turkey Dinner Candy Corn. And the flavors listed on the, is there sort of a delicious turkey dinner on the side of the package? It's uh, green beans, roasted turkey, cranberry glaze, ginger glazed carrot, sweet potato pie, and stuffing. Like, those are all good foods. But they are all different kinds of candy corns. There's a fully a green candy corn that I'm assuming is the green beans. But like I, how are I? I'm gonna need to know. Just try. Ugh. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna have the green bean one first. Okay. Oh. Oh my god. <laughs> it's so much worse. <laughs> Watching you eat that has been. <laughs> Spit it out into a napkin. I'm eating a piece of licorice to get the taste out of your mouth. That's how bad it is. <laughs> wow. I'm going to do a turkey one. I believe it's a turkey. It's brown. Oh, my God. Oh, that might have been stuffing. It tastes like <laughs> rosemary. It's a rosemary candy corn. Ew. <laughs> and then, boy, I'm trying to think if I should try another one. One more. One more. I'm going to do a red. I guess that's cranberry. Not good, but not bad. Not, not <laughs> in totally the, In the scheme of the others, I'm sure that that's the best one. I think the brown one I had was actually a stuffing, so I'm going to try the, I believe the turkey one. I'm going to try, I believe this is turkey. It all tastes like dog food, honestly. <laughs> I, like, would you say that they are worse than everything else we tried? Yeah, hands down. Yeah. Uh, just the green bean alone. <laughs> green bean is so, like, should never be in the discussion of candy. Now, the cranberry one is not bad, but is it well, worth cranberry getting this package? Yeah. And so I would say definitely don't buy this. It's not worth it. You're oh. still eating them. <laughs> oh, that was, I had I had the carrot one. I wanted to try all the flavors. The carrot one tastes like carrot. See, but carrot it's you would think might work because carrot is inherently like a sweet vegetable. It's only the aftertaste of the carrot. Does that make sense? Like oh. it's not the full carrot. Right. It's, it's just eating the, a carrot. Right. It's whatever carrot came out of a lab. Oh God. <laughs> Which one was that? The turkey. Oh my God. Why? Why would they do this? It's because Why? of people like me who would buy this. Actually, my boyfriend got it for the for a fun prank. Vile. Wow. Repulsive. Negative 10. <laughs> inedible. I mean, I'm sure it's legally edible. It's I guess they're sort of going for like, you know, those like um Harry Potter jelly beans where they like, taste like boogers and vomit and stuff. It's not as bad as those, but they yeah, are disgusting. Um Jesus Christ, that's bad. What we have for this super special spooky Halloween episode is, of course, a movie that we have, has since we launched this podcast, has been requested by yes. so many people, friends, fans, like people just want to hear about this movie. It was, in fact, the first movie we ever recorded for this podcast, and it was before uh, our launch and our current situation, and it was on a long time ago and with some different equipment, so if it sounds a little different... We know, <laughs> um, and this is just a treat. Consider this the the cranberry candy corn in your Thanksgiving candy corn bag. It is what a, a great special analogy. treat. It's different. It's a little sweet. <laughs> it still is terrifying and shouldn't exist. 
And that movie is hereditary. hereditary. It is top of the pops. One of the spookiest movies I personally have ever seen. And an absolute delight. Please enjoy the super spooky special episode that we did about hereditary. The premise of the show is, of course, that I love horror movies. And I am terrified of them, but must know what happens in every single one. So instead of just consigning Allison and people like her to reading the Wikipedia article, I'm going to give you the full rundown. It's just like the live experience without the hell of seeing anything. I'm going to give you the blow by blow. <laughs> Those are different movies. Movie. Wait, which is a different movie? No, but like a blow by blow. I mean, that's a very different movie. Oh, right. Yeah, there's a lot of blowjobs in this movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I should have been clear. We're doing Hereditary, a movie known for its blowjobs. I'm kidding. There are zero blowjobs in this movie. Then I don't want to hear about it. The only problem with this movie, no blowjobs. No blowjobs. Is there a single horror movie you've seen that does have blowjobs? Oh, a ton of them have blowjobs. <laughs> we're going to get to this. This is, of course, the first episode, as you can tell by this, how we're getting into this real, like we're sinking just, into a hot tub full of blood. <laughs> is that a movie? Um, We have to write it. I mean... I'll write, the I'll write a horror movie, movie with you. Right, hot tub <laughs> of blood. blood. Yeah, blood hot tub. Blood tub. Got it. You know that there's a holiday in that just has one of those by accident. So right, yeah, that's out but there. Then you have to pay extra. <laughs> right, of course, because it's a luxury suite. <clears throat> so uh, the show, the the movie we're doing this week is Hereditary. Yes. If you're a horror fan, you've probably seen it. If you're scared of horror, you've read the Wikipedia page. Yeah. It was such a huge hit in 2019. Or I, I did not. I like out of, I think I was too scared to read the Wikipedia page, but I like deeply need to know what this thing is about. And I don't blame you because rewatching it, I saw it in the theater, terrifying. Re, rewatching it, even more terrifying. Really? Watching it alone in my home, genuinely yeah. terrifying. I, I would imagine like alone is definitely not how I want to watch any horror movies. And so we just want to, we're going to offer a genre. In case you're someone listening who's like, you know, I I have a particular thing I don't want to hear about a slasher movie. Or I don't want to hear anything about it where a kid gets hurt. Uh, This is, uh, just a spoiler alert, kids get hurt in this movie for sure. That's probably something we should say at the beginning of any movie when a kid gets hurt. And I would say, honestly, this is the, the movie I wanted to do first because even as someone who loves horror, this is a tough one to watch. I, the trailer was too scary for me. Yes. I watched it at work in broad daylight and was like, I need to not go home yet. I Maybe I'll just stay here all night and keep the lights on. And I, I wouldn't blame you. But I guess it's like this movie in particular, it's not a jump scare. You know what I mean? There's plenty of like movies that have a lot of a startling scares. This is the growing feeling of dread for two hours <laughs> that I can only really like, compare to as someone with anxiety. When my anxiety is really bad, That's it's honestly, that's the experience of watching this movie. Two hours of dread. It's like pure every date. Unrelenting <laughs> dread. Oh my God. I'm like nervous. And Tony Collette is phenomenal. I love her though. Um, yeah. So just to, we're gonna run it on the cast a little bit. So of course, Tony Collette, if you've seen the trailer, should have been nominated if you had to ask me, but she plays the mother, Annie. Uh, Gabriel Byrne plays her husband, Steve. Mm. Alice Wolf plays her son, Peter. And I'm looking up the name of their daughter, Charlie. Millie Shapiro. Everyone in it is phenomenal. The acting yeah. is great. Written by and directed by Ari Aster, whose second feature-length film is coming out this summer. Ugh, I watched the trailer for that at Midsummer. work. Side me up. It looks terrifying. Well, he did an interview with Vulture, I believe with Vulture, where he said, oh, well, you know, it's not traditionally a horror movie. It's, it's a Wizard of Oz for perverts. 
And I was like, that's way scarier. You couldn't have told me anything to make me more excited. <laughs> those, like those words, I didn't even know. So is it the off. original Wizard of Oz for perverts? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Will there be blowjobs? Well, we'll have to find I mean, out. God willing. Oh, and that's the only thing is we won't be. So uh, I had we were sort of thinking about what movies to do. We're not going to do movies that are still in theaters. Movies live and die by the box office. Again, you guys are a bunch of scaredy cats, so you're not going to see these movies in theaters. But in case you were thinking about it. Yeah, we don't want to turn anybody off to something that they could pay $20 to go see. Right. So. Which is to say, just go see us. Just go, yeah. Like, the, I feel like that's the one where people are like, you should do that. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Just no, go see it. No, we're not going to do us until it's way out of theaters. Yes. And, and if you were going to see it. absolutely do it. You would have seen it already. So I would say genre, it's sort of like a haunted house movie, but the haunted... Instead of the house, it's the family in the house. Does that make sense? The family is haunted. The family is haunted. The house is fine. The house ain't, the house ain't good. <laughs> I the wouldn't house imagine. is not good. <laughs> the family, though, they could be in a condo. They could be in an apartment. They could be a split level. They're and haunted. They're haunted. Ari Aster's a masterpiece, I would argue. Had he done anything before? He has a couple shorts. Um, I haven't watched them, but no, this is first feature length. Okay. He's done it. Yeah. <clears throat> we open on an obituary. Of course. We're set in the mood for Ellen Taper Lee, 78, passed away after a prolonged illness at her daughter Annie's house. This is question. This yes. is text that's on the screen to start the movie. Absolutely. Text on the screen. I'm already scared. Why are they making me read? There's um, nothing spookier than just like text. Right. So, again, and also, you know, we immediately open on a funeral. So, we know we're not, we're already setting things off starting at a funeral. So we're opening at Tony Collette's house. I'm going to try to call them by their characters' names, but I'm, I'm really going to try to... I'm going to do it till it's mom style, where I'm going to try to use the characters, but if I slip into the actors... Yeah, or even an act, or what they, what else they've done. <laughs> so if you, so we still open an obituary. Annie, Tony Collette's character, okay. is an artist. We open in their home, gorgeous home, in the middle of the woods. Her husband is a psychotherapist. Annie is an artist that does dioramas, no. which I associate with, of course, high school or like middle school. Yeah, middle school. She does dioramas of her own life. That's terrifying. But she's really good at them. I, but like, what do you even do with one? Like, do, are there a bunch just like around? Well, her thing, yes, it's her. She has a workroom where it's filled with dioramas. She has a. I keep gallery thinking you're saying diarrhea. Yeah, um, <laughs> doll, I'm gonna say dollhouses instead. Full of beautiful dollhouses. <laughs> That she has a gallery opening coming up. Uh, if you're concerned, will she make the gallery opening? Uh, she won't. Some <laughs> things are going to come up, so give that up now. So they attend the funeral. The funeral is for Annie's mother, Ellen. They had a very tumultuous relationship, but the funeral's packed, which Annie is surprised by and says, it's That's hard so to nice. see how many strange new faces are here today. <gasps> Which I'm imagining my parents' funeral. Yeah, you don't want that. Just a bunch of people you never met before. I don't want to see any new people that have never been part of my life at my parents' funeral. And if you or think, my, well, I guess I won't be there. But right, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite a lot of strangers to your funeral. I'm sorry. I guess I'm assuming that I'm gonna live longer than you. You're gonna live longer than me. We're not gonna die in some kind of murder suicide. I mean, depending on this podcast go. <laughs> I mean, we're off to a great start, but who knows? I mean, we might take a turn. So we meet. Um, they go to the funeral. We meet Annie, her husband Steve, her teenage son Alex, who's sort of like they have like a you know a tumultuous teenage boy and his mother relationship. Sure. And then Charlie, their thirteen-year-old daughter, and something ain't right with Charlie. I mean, there's nothing. Oh, right. as soon as you see her, you're like, God help that girl. Something ain't right with her. Wait, but what's wrong with her? Like, oh, what's she? It's so hard to say. Well, as from the trailer, you know that she constantly makes this sound. Oh, no. Can I not even do it? She clucks her tongue. 
Yeah, I agree. Oh, God. She's constantly making that noise. She's constantly slamming entire bars of chocolate. She Her social <laughs> skills are not good. She's always wearing a gigantic orange sweatshirt. But also, that's what I was like in middle school. So I was very sympathetic. Yeah, everyone's weird in middle school. Exactly. But, but Charlie? Something different. Well, she takes it to another place. So Charlie's just like, but you know what I mean? She's sort of just this, in a, in a family drama, it would just be, oh, one of the kids got something going on. Um, she also is allergic to peanuts, which we know immediately, because she's eating a chocolate bar at, again, her grandmother's funeral. And um, <laughs> both parents say, does that have nuts in it? We didn't bring the EpiPen. Strike two. Why are you not bringing, if she has a peanut allergy, it should right. be with you at all times. And that's like something where it's like, I feel like in a lesser movie, I'd be like, this is an oversight. Like the parents would right. constantly bring it. But then in this movie, it's like, no, the parents are so, like, their priorities are not right. Right. So the fact that your child is deathly allergic to peanuts and she's housing chocolate bars all the time, which are all made in places with peanuts, if you look at the label. Yeah, oh, you can't, like, if you're allergic to peanuts, you can't eat anything that comes out of a factory, which exactly. is most food. So that's on them. So anywho, we meet all of them. Tony Collette is, is grieving her mother, but as we find out, she has this very tumultuous um, relationship with her. They go home, and it starts out, the family is, like, they're a little estranged from each other, but they are not. They still have a connection, you okay. know? And they, the parents try to check in with the kids and say, you know, how are you doing with the grandma? And everyone's, like, pretty much fine, because the grandma sucked, except for Charlie, who asks her mother, who will take care of me when you die? And her mom's like, well, about him not, not going to die? I'm fine. I've, she's like, well, you also, know. Did she think it was going to be her grandmother? <laughs> well, yes. Like, like her grandmother was going to outlive her parents? Well, yes. There is some implication of that. And there's also an important thing where you find out that one of the things that Annie really hated about her mother is that the mother insisted on feeding Charlie. And you think, oh, like, just tending to her human needs. No, she means breastfeeding. And not only that. Wait. Yes. Hold on. The grandmother breastfed Annie's daughter. How? Girl, I I don't have all the answers. (laughs) But there is, she does have a sculpture of it happening in one of the dollhouses. Is that how we learn about it? Or does she say it? She alludes to it. She's like, she would never let me feed her. She would have to feed you. But you think, okay, maybe the the music. Like like feeding with a spoon, like a real human being. No, no, no. You see that too. Not like a cow that finds a dog. Well, but but as you understand, this is all part of, think of the title. This is all part of a familial plan. A hereditary Ugh. issue that her mother is passing on through the family. Um, so we get to sort of the first scare, which is Annie is leaving her. Again, I'm calling them dollhouses. They're, they're, they're works of art, but I don't want to keep seeing di- diarrhea. She turns <laughs> out the light, and her mother is just standing there in the darkness. Her mother. Her dead mother. Dead mother. And in a very interesting choice, she's not bloody. She's not gruesome. Just fucking standing there. It's so much scarier. It would be easier to handle if she was bloody. For some Absolutely. Like, I think there's something much eerier about, like, a normal... She's wearing white pants, and she's just I mean, smiling. bold. <laughs> a bold look, a bold spring look. Who among us could wear white pants? And it is spring, and I feel like that's part of the motif is, like, you know, rebirth, reemergence. What's reemerging? Well, again, it ain't good. Um, so Annie's sort of startled by this. She also finds a note from her mother that I'm going to read. My dear, darling, beautiful Annie... Forgive me all the things I could not tell you. Please don't hate me and try not to despair your losses. You will see in the end that they were worth it. Our sacrifice will pale next to the rewards. Love, Mommy. So next day at school, Charlie finds a dead bird and cuts the head off. Wait, what? (laughs) Keep up? The thing about this movie is Ari Aster is, I would say, the Cat Williams of horror. 
Okay, explain. Cat Williams, it, you see a five-minute cat... There is a joke on every line. Yes. Ari Aster, a, a, a spooky thing happens every fucking second. You don't have time. That's So it's very different than, like, a movie where it's like, everybody's having, like, an amazing time on our trip in exactly. Mexico, and then right, people like, start oh, getting murdered. Wow. We're going to get in this cage and go to the bottom of the ocean to look at sharks like, or whatever. What could happen? And instead it's just, like... Dead mom, dead bird. Yeah, so we Headless got it. bird. It's not one spooky thing. It's not a serial killer. It's not whatever. It is Constant. nonstop. And and they're all like, as they ma- what's good about that, it keeps up the pace so you never really have time to like relax and, and think about like, why was that mom breastfeeding that baby? Like, you know, or why was, you know what I mean? Why were these things happening? You don't have time. So that's why it's just this constant mounting. Yes. I don't think I could handle this movie. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, if you can't, I, I can't. I cried twice, and I will tell you which parts I cried. Oh my God, I'm excited to learn when you cry. Um, so, you know, uh, cuts off bird head, takes over there, and we see Charlie is constantly making these little dolls out of twigs and garbage and putting different heads on it. Okay. And um, just sort of experiencing She's an things. artist, like mom. Exactly. I mean, that is sort of the implication. Yes. She's a creator. You know, she has these skills. <sighs> um, so then we see Peter, the teenage son, in class, and we hear about the um, legend of Heracles, also known as Hercules. And there's an important line that I think is sort of the thesis of the movie, which is he literally refuses to look at any of the sides that are being literally handed him the entire play. That's the girl's answering, like, a teacher's question. Interesting. That's the... Because there are so many moments where you're like, girl, get out of there. <laughs> Why does nobody have an EpiPen? We'll get that. So, you put know, the bird down. She's never going to put that bird also, down. Also, like, don't pick up birds. She she is so far afield. The bird thing, you, you're, it's done. It's so <laughs> the bird thing, like, that's upsetting. We don't have time. We don't have time. Next thing happened, the cemetery calls. The mom's grave has been, the grandmother's grave has been desecrated. But Steve makes a terrible decision, which is he doesn't tell his wife. Steve is the husband. Yes, Gabriel Byrne. Great. Everyone's oh, great. Love Gabriel Byrne. And he decides not to tell Annie that her mother's grave has been desecrated. We don't exactly know how, but it ain't good. So No grave desecrations. And so sort of the, yeah, exactly. It's not going to be like. You're not like, oh, it's like a flower. Right, yeah. Somebody planted a beautiful. It's like almost always a swastika, if we're being honest. Right. In this, I mean, it's not that, I will say. Good. Okay, great. So, I don't at least your family's Jewish, at, but I could be wrong. No, I don't think Gabriel Byrne and Tony Collette could play Jewish. No, and I mean, I mean, they could, but they're not. Of course, they're both incredible actors, but yeah, let's be honest. Okay, so the mother, the grandmother's grave has been desecrated. And then, so Gabriel Byrne, and I think this is like a turning point where Gabriel Byrne doesn't tell his wife this thing. Okay. And then Annie, Tony Collette, decides to go to a grief counseling group, doesn't tell her husband. <sighs> so this is the symbol that they are no longer communicating, which the, the key to any relationship, familiar or otherwise, you got to communicate. you got to communicate. Because you, if you don't, evil forces will start to tear your family apart. <laughs> That's obviously what happens. So we go to the grief group, and Annie gives us a background of her mother. And you're like, you know, why is her mother, why do they have this relationship or whatever? <clears throat> the grandma, rather. The grandma, estranged from Annie's family, had extreme disassociative identity disorder and dementia. Annie's father starved himself to death because he had psychotic depression. And then there's my brother. My older brother had schizophrenia. And when he was 16, he hanged himself in my mother's bedroom. And, of course, he suicide note blamed her, accusing her of putting people inside him. So, that was my mom's life. What? Yes. There's a lot of notes. There's a ton of notes. There's a ton of backstory. Again, you don't have time. Yeah. You just have to hear that and be like, before you could even be like, I'm going to Google psychotic depression, you don't have time. (laughs) They got to keep moving. And Annie says, you know, I'm here because I don't want to put any more stress on my family. Okay. And her whole thing is basically like her family was so fucked up and now she's trying to have this normal family. She feels like it's already ruined. 
my family is already ruined. But how do you, you know, how do you keep going? Uh, meanwhile, we have this uh, this gallery show. Again, it ain't going to happen. How much time does this movie take place over? Um, is it like three days or like two months? I would We're unclear say because time doesn't mean anything in this world. It feels like it could be like two months. I feel like it's a couple weeks. couple weeks. All it's right. It's definitely not a year. It's, it's basically like it's still spring. So okay. like when it starts. So a season. A season. Yeah. So, you know, we get a little back. We see a little bit of Charlie alone. And we, we see her tongue clucking. We see her making weird dolls. We see her look out into the front yard and see the grandmother sitting in front of a ring of fire. No. It's not really there, but she's imagining it. What kind of, is it like a vertical, like in the air? Or is no, it that like would a, be cool as hell. <laughs> no Tari Aster. You should have done that. It's That's like badass as hell. A ring of fire in the air, or is Fuck. it on the grass? These are excellent notes. It's in the grass. So I it's like that, she's sitting in front, like it's a circle on the grass. We should give him these notes. <laughs> right. I mean, I think he's going to, he'll probably put it in the next one if we yeah, give it to him. Obviously. Um, and then also, uh, there's sort of this glimmering, like shimmering fairy light that sort of plays over Charlie. That I believe we're supposed to understand is like uh, an evil entity, a presence okay. that will later become clear about what it is. But you sort of see the shimmering light. She doesn't necessarily know what it is, but we don't know either. Anywho. I don't like how little we get to know. And there's so much to go. Like, we're crazy. not even halfway done with this movie. That's crazy. And then they go to what I would describe as one of those hip happening walnut parties that all the kids are going to. <laughs> Peter likes this girl, white girl number one, whose name I don't recall, Bridget maybe. <laughs> so he's trying to meet up with this girl, and he lies and tells his mother, hey, can I borrow the car? There's like a school barbecue. Uh, I'm just going to go hang out or whatever. Not not admitting this is a, a bubba fucking teen party. I don't want to, you know what I mean? I'm going to go uh, try to smoke weed with this girl. And the mom says, we'll take your sister if it's a school event. Get her out of the house. Because they know that Charlie, she's not making friends. No. She is sleeping in the doll house, oh, the, sorry, in a tree house outside, even though it is cold out. She's she got a lot of stuff going on. So they want They're her like, to, there's dead birds in the house now. We can't. But also, like, you have a dead bird holding chocolate-covered. Peanut allergic. Peanut allergic sister. Of course you don't want to bring her to the party. Like, nobody can blame him for being like, I don't know. So he takes her. And then as soon as he gets there, he goes to smoke weed with his, his girl. And Charlie sees this big ass, a, a chocolate cake full of so many goddamn nuts. You <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many nuts, and they're cutting more nuts to put on top of it. It does look like a delicious cake. My mouth is filling with saliva thinking about it. I miss too just hearing about a cake that you saw. <laughs> I, uh, it's worth it. Okay, if you're afraid of movies but you love cake, keep your eyes closed until they get to the party, and then open them enough time to see the cake, and then keep them closed but watch the rest of it. Because um, you're going to want to see That's a great cake. way to watch a horror movie is, like, only open your eyes for cake. Right, exactly. Like, all the fun parts. Well, that was the only part. The rest of it's a nightmare. So she goes and she basically was like, I need, I want a piece of the cake. So she gets a piece of cake. It looks fucking delicious. Where is this? It's at this teen party. Okay. In a happening walnut-filled, like nut-filled fucking party. I can't party. think of a single party I went to as a teen where, like, weed was available that also had a beautiful, luscious cake. I think the implication is supposed to be a birthday party, but it's also like, there's no parents home. Okay. You know what I mean? But I think it's supposed to be like, this is just like a cool party. Sure. And so Charlie eats the cake and immediately goes into anaphylactic, anaphylactic shock. And because this family is already so dissociated from each other, she doesn't have a fucking EpiPen. If you have a kid with a nut, epi, nut, nut allergy, you, especially Charlie, you force her to wear a fanny pack with, with fucking EpiPen in it. So she tells Peter, he right. flips out. He's trying to drive her to the hotel, uh, hotel, 
the hotel hospital. <laughs> you know that hotel where you get medical treatment? Oh, you hospital. mean in Beverly Hills? Right, yeah. <laughs> where that's what happens? Um, so they're driving frantically. He's panicking. She's gasping for breath. It is horrifying. I have asthma. Oh, so this is and a personal so like, fear. Like the whole thing just like horrifying. And she sticks her head out of the window to sort of try to catch a breath. Of course there's a deer in the road. He swerves. She slams into a telephone pole. She is decapitated, what? Allison. No! This is the midpoint of the movie. A 13-year-old girl is decapitated? decapitated. And it's shot. Like, you don't what? see it. You don't see the decapitation. You, okay, good. He swerves. Do you hear it? You hear it. Oh, my God. And then there was a long shot. Again, this is a beautifully shot. I mean, the trailer is gorgeous. Yes. It's a beautifully shot. Um, the production design is incredible. So it's shot in such a way where you see the car. It's it's nighttime, so you see the car from a distance. With the, and so it's like you don't see anything up close. Oh my God. And so Peter goes into shock, and instead of calling the police, taking her go to the hospital, staying there, calling his parents, he drives home, parks the car in the driveway, goes up to bed. He doesn't go to sleep because he's like literally. So then, it, like literally, it's a shot of him. He's been awake for hours. He's in shock. He's a child. I mean, you know, he's sixteen. And his sister was just decapitated by a telephone pole while Her she was having is anaphylactic still shock. Still in the car. No, I can't. No. That's, so you what? you are looking no, at his that's face. So scary. You are looking at his stunned face, and you could hear downstairs Andy be like. Okay, great. I'm going to go to the store. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be back later, you guys. No. You hear her go out to the car and find her daughter's dead body. And headless. Headless. And she is screaming. And it is a horrible scene. That is... is was this one of the times you cried? I don't even think it was. How? I mean, I'm honestly too terrified to consider crying at something like that. It was... I mean, it's really horrible. Okay, so then, slam cut to Charlie's decapitated head on the side of the road. No! Because he didn't go and get it. It's so it's morning. Well, of course he didn't go and get it. Okay, but I'm just saying, if we're in a car and, and, and my head sure. gets ripped off, <laughs> do you, it up. would you like to me to retrieve your head if you're yes. ever decapitated in my car? I would do the same for you. I would appreciate that. Put it in a bag or whatever in your car. I'm not saying you have to like put it in the tr- <laughs> the passenger seat and put a fucking. Yeah, put it back on. No, it's going to fall back off. Don't do it. Just throw it in the trunk. Just don't leave it there. And I would I will do the same for you. Okay, well, that we have a pact now that if we are ever right. decapitated in this manner, we're right, getting exactly. each other's heads. Get the head. I mean, if Get it falls in a lake or something, like, don't worry. I'm saying if it's literally on the side of the road. And uh, guys, uh, I didn't mention this before. It's covered in ants. No. <laughs> Bitch, there are so many ants on this head. Of course there are. Yes, it's, absolutely. Well, how much time has passed? Is this the next day or is this later that Eight day? hours. It's the morning. Oh, God. It's the morning. Those ants were like, whoa! Everybody <laughs> lined up with this huge meal. It's horrifying. I didn't, again, I did not cry at that point. So, <laughs> cut to, so we see that, and then Toni Collette, and this is like a testament to her as an actress. Is She on, is an incredible actress. It's her on the floor of her um, bedroom, screaming, it hurts too much, I want to die. And just screaming her daughter's name. And that's the thing about this movie is, like, a lot of people are like, it's not scary. It's like, yeah, that's not scary. No, like, but it's that's upsetting. Not scary. It's horrifying. It's It fills you with dread. It's not like a traditional scary movie in that sense. But it's fucking, they, that is the most horrifying idea I could possibly think of. No. And also, Fine. her mom just died, and her mom was fucked up, obviously, but she's still, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, losing a person is losing a person. Exactly. Like, so she lost her mom and then lose her kid. So you see your funeral, and wait, then. How did the mom die again? Or do we not know that? We don't know. Okay. I don't think we ever know, honestly. She's old. 
she was well, she's seventy eight. Oh, fuck that old. She had so we were, she had disassociative identity disorder, or so we're told, and dementia. She was okay, unwell. So. She was in hospice, but I don't think they specifically say like it was cancer or anything. Sure, sure. But she, you know, but it wasn't like some weird exactly. Okay, uh, versus uh, Annie's father who died by starving himself, which is I would I think we all agree truly pretty upsetting. weird. You also start noticing in the house that there are all these words sort of written in the um, uh, wall, like intentionally. It, Yes. Like a live, laugh, love? Um, like a Zazis, uh, Sockney, uh, Liftoff Pandemonium, which is a, a bunch of, like, you know, arcane words. Uh, they translate to, is it wine time yet? Uh. Right, yeah. <laughs> Being a mom. Yeah, they're all, like, um, live, laugh, love type of stuff. But it's, like, um, in... Like, in it'll t- be, like, you just cut to a wall, and in the wallpaper is just, like, a word written. Okay. In do like, you, like, do they know it's there? Well... Oh, God. So that's the thing. You'd think in, this a, is terrifying. in another movie, no. But then, like, when, so in order to cope with all this in her sad, fucked up way, instead of going to therapy, like, you, everyone in this family needs to be in therapy, right? And also, the dad is a therapist. Right. So I don't know whether the implication is like, well, he's a therapist, so he thinks they don't need there or whatever it is. So Tony Collette writes, when she makes the dollhouse version of the house, uh-huh. she writes the words in the dollhouse version. So she's she knows aware of them. Right. And that's ultimately a larger question that is not resolved is how much does she know on what level does she know it? Does she know what her, how fucked up her mom was? We don't know. Also throughout all this, there's just like a bunch of elderly women who are just like across the street waving at Charlie, just like sort of like various older, mostly women just outside. Just like, they'll just be like outside the school. Just They're always just Charlie. waving at her waving. while she's alive. Sort of keeping watch over the children. Do they continue to appear now that she's dead? Yes, and the target of their uh, watchfulness has eventually switches to Peter. Okay. So they're sort of there just to monitor the children. You're not sure exactly why, but... They're alive? The people? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> now, the question is, do who, who else sees them? I think there's a question of that. Yeah, I mean... We know the kids can see them. Can other people see them? I don't know. If I was a parent and there was just a group of older women yes. staring into our house and waving all the time when the kids were home, well, I would do something about it. I, that's just me. So. That's just me. You think so. But the implication, I think, is like everyone in this family is so traumatized that they don't start picking... They're, they're not processing what to us... And same with like every haunted house movie. We're like, why don't leave? And it's like because things are so fucked up the idea of leaving doesn't even occur to them. Right. Like, it's just like, they're trying to get through day to day. She's trying to build her little dollhouses. She's got this gallery exhibit, which is never going to happen. Of course. Um, so then she goes, she tries Also, it to shouldn't go, from an artistic standpoint. You're looking at him, I'm like, I, from a, like, I understand, like, psychologically. She, and then right. at a certain point, she makes a dollhouse version of her daughter being decapitated. Okay. And that's the first thing I think to um, her husband, Steve, where he's like, oh, you're having a, a breakdown. This isn't working. Yeah. yeah, you can't be making this in a house where, with no. the kid who accidentally, um, you know. So she tries to go to grief counseling again, and I think this is sort of the the switches. She meets Joan, played by the eliminable Ann Dowd. Oof. And Joan is a woman, Joan, as she tells Annie, her son and grandson drowned. Oh, God. We don't know. We don't get any more backstory about her. But she is sort of this, and she's shot as such like this warm, sweet, like the mother figure that Annie never had. Okay. Because her mom was so complicated and fucked up. This feels suspicious. Joan, well, then you, maybe you're on the right track. <laughs> Anytime something good happens in a movie like this, we're yeah. like, well, I know that can't well, be good. There's just no way that she's just going to come in and be like exactly. a maternal figure. This is maybe not a good comparison, but it's like, never, your kid ne- is never going to work, uh, uh, sleep over at Michael Jackson's house. 
And you're not going to be like, that was a good decision. Right. Even if it's totally neutral, even if nothing happened, you're not going to look back and be like, I'm glad I did that. Right. Okay. Same with this woman. It's like, you're not going to be like, I'm glad I met a total stranger and then entrusted her with all my secrets and then also started going to her house. And also, I don't know who she is. Um, <laughs> and so she meets Joan, played by Ann Dowd, who's fucking killing it. And they sort of, like, open up to one another about grief and, like, Annie's really trying to process this. And Annie reveals to her a very important thing, which is um, Annie used to sleepwalk. And one night when Annie was sleepwalking... She woke up in the middle of the night when her kids were very young uh-huh. and they slept in the same room and the kids were soaked in paint thinner and so was she. And she woke herself up striking a match because she was going to set her and her kids, uh, all of them on fire. And what's interesting is she is so like, of course I immediately put it out and my son never forgave me even though it was obviously sleepwalking. Like she's not able to look in herself. Yeah, yeah, to see like, there's something super yeah. dangerous and, and there is an implication there. and they don't say it specifically but she alludes to having to go to group therapy before and I assume that's when she had to go to group therapy. Yeah, like that makes she, the most sense. When she tried so who to, could know? But she's not willing to be like, that's so fucked up. Why am, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I Why did I do that? It's more just yeah. like, I should stop sleepwalking. Yes, exactly. And so then they have the dinner, dinner scene which I would argue is the most difficult scene to watch even after a child has been decapitated so it's like a family drama with like that kind of like August Osage County energy yeah. where they're just screaming at each other. But the underlying thing is a child has died already. And also something wrong is going on. But nobody is able to identify it. They're not able to look at themselves. And Annie basically is like, I am your mother. Do you understand? All I do is worry and slave and defend you. And all I get back is that fucking face on your face. So full of disdain and resentment and always so annoyed. Well, now your sister is dead. I'm not mad at you, but, like, you need to apologize and, like, be, own it. And then she says you can't take responsibility for anything. But she can't take responsibility for her own trying right. to set those kids on fire. You know what I mean? So it's like right. no one is able to recognize their own role in any of this. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. So at this point, you know, they have this huge family fight. Everyone is now estranged. The family unit has been broken, right? So, of course, she then goes to Jones, and Joan basically talks her into having a seance because Joan has said, I've, I've, I've done yeah. this thing. I, I saw a medium, and I was able to summer, summon the spirit of my grandson, Louis. Don't fucking do this. No. Why would you ever 
Exactly. Think that this was a good idea. Also, a seance is never a good idea. We've all seen practical exactly. magic. And so you can't bring things back from the dead without them being different. Yeah, something is gonna go wrong. And also, like you have in my mind, it's like you have such a complicated family history. Don't go down this road. No, just Don't move forward. Talk, you know, like take your kids out, take your well, your remaining kid, yeah. take him to okay. the movies. You know what I mean? Go be take an interest in his his stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? So she goes to Jones, and Joan is basically able to show her concrete evidence. That, that there is, she's able to summon something. So she gives um, uh, Annie a candle and these instructions to do it in her own home. And, you know, wouldn't you know it, but Joan has this doormat that looks suspicious, beautiful doormat, that looks suspiciously like the doormats that Annie's mom used to make. It's just a crazy coincidence. What a bizarre coincidence. It's just odd that these two completely unrelated women who are the, exactly the same age and, like, don't know each other. What She would happen to have that same thing. Unaddressed. I, I, I can't imagine. So Tony Collette, <laughs> Tony Collette comes home in the middle of the night. She has a dream. Or well, you don't know if it's a dream or not. She wakes up. Uh, there are ants leading her to her son's room. Oh, no. The ants and are much more terrifying than I really want to admit ants, they are. Because ants are, you know. The ants suck. I fucking hate the ants. I mean, I don't ever want to see any kind of critter. No. Yeah, any kind of Insect, little nothing. animal burrowing into a human head or anything. So she walks in her no, son's wait. room. <laughs> oh, she walks in her son's room, and um, his head is covered in ants. So she screams, but then she wakes up because she is sleepwalking. Okay, so that's a dream. Yes, that is a dream. Okay. And but her son's like, "What are you doing?" Because he remembers that time that she almost had them on fire. But she doused him in paint thinner and right. lit a match. And she is like, "Oh, I must have been sleepwalking or whatever." And then she says to him, "I never wanted to be your mother." And, uh, and she's awake for this? This is conscious. Well, she 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 like sort of slaps her hands over her mouth, being like, oh my God, I shouldn't have said that. And the idea is sort of like she's losing her mind. And um, basically she tells her son, and he's like, well, why did you have me? She's like, well, I tried not to. I tried to give myself a miscarriage, but it didn't work. My mother pressured me into having you. And he's like, and so they are screaming at one another. And he's like, why, why would you do this or whatever? And you cut to him and he is now soaked in something. Oh, no. Paint thinner. And then you cut back to her. She is soaked in paint thinner. No. And a, a match strikes. And then she wakes up again. Bitch, that was a dream, too. Okay, oh my don't God. worry. Dreams within dreams? Um, And that's when, when they're screaming at each other, that's when I cried. I was like, this is so horrible. Because she's basically being like, I, and I, I mean, this is a complicated question about abortion, but she's just sort of like, <laughs> yeah, I did try to kill you, but also I love you and I'm glad I didn't. But also, you can't say that to a teenager. You know what I mean? No, like, you absolutely... That's something private that you're allowed to, again, talk to a therapist yes, about. Yes, yes. Or um, never say out loud. Yes. So anyways, but Annie is now convinced, because of what she saw Jones, I can summon Charlie. I can have a seance and summon Charlie. And Jones like, make sure everyone in the family is still, is in the house. Everyone's got to be there. Yeah, let's make sure that we don't leave anybody out of this monstrosity right. that we're about to commit. Just make sure everyone in your family is re-traumatized again. Yeah. So she does this... You know, at first it starts like a, a, you know, she summons Charlie, a little glass slides across, you know, table. There's a sketchbook filled with drawings or whatever. And then, of course, a gigantic flame shoots out of the candle. Naturally. Um, and Annie starts growling and talking in a demon voice. And then starts speaking in Charlie's voice. And her husband throws water in her face and is like, we're not doing this. Don't bring this into our house or whatever. This to me is, but, uh, uh, this would be a, um, what's the world? A deal breaker. That's a deal oh, breaker, yeah. ladies. Yeah, once you're for the husband. Yeah, I'd be out of there. I'd be like, I'm I'd taking leave the, the kid. whole scene. I'm taking our kid and going to a fucking hotel. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't be here. Whatever. So obviously, because Peter's the only child left, he starts to be targeted by these sort of like 
this sort of malicious entity, he sees that so glimmery demon thing. Stuff happening. Yes. Great. At a certain point, he sees Joan across the street at the school. You know, there's stuff happening, and he's really devolving. Okay. Like, he's really sort so of So no one's out. doing okay. No one's doing okay. Annie and her husband are at odds. She trashes all of her dollhouses <laughs> before she... But what about the gallery opening? She's never going to have the gallery opening. And don't worry, she wasn't going to be able to have it anyways because way worse stuff is still going to happen. How is more stuff... What is this... Again, he's a, he's got that... He, he, it's just fucking, nonstop. These are horror one-liners. Literally, like, you open the door, wow. something fucking nuts happens. What a concept. And it's and I think that's why people were like, this is a real wow of a movie. And I love a slow burn. I love a, yeah. you know, The Strangers, where there's one thing that's going on, and it's creepy. This, you don't have time to even be like, wait, what? Who's that? So, oh, Jesus, no. no so then you just enjoy. process it for weeks after you've seen it? Exactly. That's terrifying. So she finds Charlie's old sketchbook. The sketches are drawing themselves. They're drawing Peter, the no. son, with his eyes crossed out over and over and over again. No. So Annie decides she has to burn the notebook. That's of, not, I, hey, look, I get it. That's not the, a bad idea. Of the choices she's made in this movie, yes. that feels within the realm of Human, be- normal human being. Right. Of all of the behaviors, she goes to burn the notebook. Of course, she throws in the fire, and her arm bursts into flame. Because she, we, we are to understand she's now connected to the book. Of course. So she has to fish it out with the, which is actually a pretty funny scene because she's trying to be quiet because her husband's man sleeping on the couch. So she's <laughs> quietly trying to fish the notebook out of the fireplace. Great. Without her husband waking up and being like, why are you on fire? Why, why, you know what I mean? why are you on fire? Um, again, you've got to communicate with your husband. Say, just, this is why I'm on fire. Right. That's, I'll tell you right that's a real relationship building block. So she goes back to Joan and is like, oh, basically she realizes like Joan has like, why did you teach me to do this seance? Now right. there's something in my home. My, my son's being fucked up about this, whatever. And she goes to Joan's and Joan's not home, but actually Joan is home and she has like a pentagram with Peter's photo in the middle. Oh, of course. And Why wouldn't she? And it's candles, and it's clearly doing a magic spell, magic, you know, sort of summoning uh, ritual around Peter the Sun. And then Tony Collette looks down, and she sees that goddamn doormat, and she figures it out. The secret of her figuring out her mother is connected is literally the doormat. The doormat. And it's a Of course, like, doormat. a woman is represented by a doormat. <laughs> well, and but it's also like her mother was not a doormat, because her mother, as you'll find out, is sort of the ringleader of all this. Um, so yada, 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 she finds out, you know, we're getting towards right. the end, don't worry. So your mother is super disturbed, ruined her own life, like, ruined your family, like, basically, like, all this crazy stuff, and it does not occur to you until this point to look at her stuff, the boxes of stuff of hers, literally boxes called Mom's Things. And so I think we're supposed to believe oh. that she, I, what I think is, like, she does know, but she's in denial. But she doesn't want to, if she sees exactly. it, it's real. And so she goes into the books... And she finds this thing, and you keep seeing this symbol. Oh, you see, like, her mom had a necklace with a symbol. There's a symbol on the, it's like a golden sort of curly cue symbol. And so it's in, uh, it was at Joan's home. You see it, you see it around. All right. And uh, it's on the telephone pole where Charlie's head was ripped off. And she, in this, it's embossed onto a book. She's reading these books of her mother's. Turns out it's a symbol of the, one of the kings of hell named Payman. One okay. One of the kings of hell. And That's really. Yes. And, goes off a cliff. And so it, so basically, th- th- she finds a book where it's like, oh, it's, uh, you have to, they're trying to summon, if you want to summon him, you, he needs a male host. Who's Peter. the male host? It's Peter. She also, of course, finds, opens the first page of like a book of photos, and Joan is there. Of course. And of course, they're best friends. And they both have the, uh, her, the grandma and Joan, Ellen is the grandma's name, have the symbol, and they're part of this group. Everyone in the group was at the funeral. You know what I mean? She's the strangers. Tied together. 
So for the first time, Annie is really able to recognize, like, there's something supernatural. There's something fucked up. Like, I, I misunderstood it, and now I have to solve it. Bitch, you cannot solve this. This is unsolvable. It's unsolvable. <laughs> and that's the thing about every horror movie is the thing that a normal human being can be like, I can figure this out. How? How right. are you going to do it? No, there is no solution. Right. And the implication is basically that her mother has engineered all this. Everything that has happened so far in from her life. From before she died from, or from the grave? From before Annie was born. Like, this is, her mother has been trying to do this. Because I think the implication is that when Annie's brother died, he said... You know, the grandma was trying to put people inside him. I think the implication is she was trying to use... To summon this demon yes, from this hell? demon into a male body. But why? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, of course. But ultimately, I guess that's an unanswerable question. Why does anyone in any movie, horror or otherwise, do anything? follow somebody that you're like, why are you following the devil? Why are you right. following Hitler? There's like all things where they... <laughs> no, but I mean, she's like, why? It's so, if you see it on the page, right. why in God's name do you agree with it? I think they're like, well, I thought I was going to get a lot of cool stuff out of it. You yeah. know what I mean? So Annie goes home. And also, another thing is everyone keeps walking the house and being like, wow, it sure stinks in our house, which is hilarious. <laughs> because if that was your house, you'd be like, well, we had to figure out why it stinks so yeah, bad. Yeah, what stinks so bad? What stinks? Um, well, she goes up to the attic and we find out what stinks, which is, of course, her mother's headless corpse. Because you'll remember that her grave was desecrated. Oh, my God. Her body had been stolen. And the body has been... So that's why it couldn't have been more than a week or two because the body okay. was there. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. So it was only a couple of weeks. The body, headless body, surrounded by candles um, of her of the grandmother, of Annie's mother. Surrounded by candles. Surrounded by candles. The body has been put into the house for a particular purpose. So Annie is, of course, flipping out. and she, But she's like, I'm going to burn this book and then we'll, we'll be fine. You know what I mean? Right, because that's all it takes. Yeah. Meanwhile, that same day, Peter is at school... He flips out and he smashes his nose against a desk. He, he has some other stuff going He's on. He's having an issue. Yeah. So um, so Steve, the dad, comes and picks up Peter and takes him home. Literally, as they're driving up the driveway, Annie is, like, in her pajamas and, like, rain boots, like, wah! Like, Wailing. coming down. And I just, like, that, we just have a moment where you're, like, just feel so bad for Steve, where you're, like, oh, dude, you gotta just, like... Cut and run. I also think, like, in my mind, if I was him, I'd be, like, trying to figure out, like, how much of psychiatric care for my entire family, you know what I mean? So they go in, and she says, you have to go up to the attic because my mother's body is up there. And he's like, oh, no. So he goes up there. See the symbol on the necklace my mom gave me? It's her necklace, right? They're both wearing it, and they're wearing it in every photo. And look at that pattern. Did you see up there? This was painted above the body, right? In blood. You dug up the grave. It was you, wasn't it? Because you kept telling me, oh, you're going to the movies. We know that she's going to grief group. But basically, like, oh... I think that you are, I think you're like, I think you're right. having a mental breakdown and none of this is real. But she's like, no, I need you to burn the book because if I burn it, I'll catch on fire. And if of you course. throw it in, and she's basically like, I'm willing to die and be caught on fire, but I need you to throw the book in because right. I'll try to stop myself. You know what I mean? And he's like, he's like, I did that while you were asleep once. It's no big deal. <laughs> right. I did it like yesterday. You were asleep. You didn't say it. And he's like, um, I'm not going to do this with you. You're meant, like, you're having, yeah. like, you're mentally ill. You're, you're, this is not real. I can't, I can't pretend this is real. And so finally she's like, all right, I'll just do it. And she throws the book in. Of course, Steve bursts into flame, consumed by flame. Poor what? Steve. Steve didn't have to stand a chance. No. Steve uh, dies, right? So yeah. Steve is all burned up to a crisp. And they, there's a beautiful shot where it's during the day, so like after, after school. And then it cuts to night. And in and around the house, you see all of these, the worst thing, the thing you don't want to look out of your house and see in the middle of the night, a bunch of naked white people. 
Oh my God. Standing all around the house. Why? <laughs> and Peter, so and Peter, who was like, they put to bed when he, you know what I mean, after he broke his nose, put to bed after school, he wakes up. So it's the middle of the night. And he's like, Mom, Dad. You know what I mean? So like, we're, gone. Dad, he's not going to answer. And we see him wake up in bed and then up behind him. No. On the fucking ceiling. No. Who is it? It's Tony Collette. No. She is clinging to the ceiling like a spider. That's so... Still in her, like, jammies, like, linen pants and, like, rain boots. She's clinging to the ceiling like this, like a spider, watching him. She, he doesn't see her. And so he gets up and he's slowly making his way through the house. We see her scramble across no. the ceiling like a fucking spider. And he I goes, can't think of something scary. He slowly scarier. goes downstairs... And it, this, like, now that I've seen it, it was fine. But watching it, it was so, it's so horrifying and suspenseful. Because you know nothing's good is going to happen. Right. But you don't know what bad thing is coming. And so finally goes downstairs, finds his dad. And then you, we see behind him, up on the ceiling, Tony Collette. So he turns his head. And what does he see? A naked guy standing in the doorway. No. Who we recognize from the funeral. And as we sort of realize, all of the cult members, all the people who attended the funeral, all these elderly women who have been outside the, uh, the school. Trying Joan, to summon the devil. Exactly. All these people, all of her grandma's buds, who have, like, you know, been down a clown since before Annie was born. <laughs> Something is happening, and they're there to watch it happen. So Peter then, um, he, he turns around as if he sees his mom, and then the mom pops out. That's the only jump scare in the movie. Yeah, you got to have one. Exactly. And it is very effective because, like, you think he's going to turn and see her, and she's gone, and then she's just like, bam. No. So he runs, and he does the thing again. You never do in a horror movie. He runs up to the attic. and the We most, all know that's wrong. Yeah, and the most iconic scene of the movie is he pulls up the attic door, and then Tony Collette is clinging to the ceiling, slamming her head into the attic door, like clinging upside down, like, <sighs> like a spider, slamming her head. And he is screaming and being like, Mommy, you have to stop. Like, just, like, horrible heart-rending, like, very genuine screams. Yeah. He turns his grandmother's body. He doesn't know it's supposed to be there, but we see it's gone. And then he hears a sound, a horrible sound, and he looks up. And if you had to just guess, who is it and what is she doing? Oh, no. I mean, it's got to be Mom. Uh-huh. And what's Mom doing up there? I don't know. She's, she's doing something with Grandma. She's floating in the air, doing something to herself. What do you think she's doing? Setting herself on fire? She's cutting her own head off. Oh, my God. And, they, and, and I didn't realize this, but I looked on Reddit, and I guess they have a piano that was, like, overturned, but it's not saying you... It's not like There's a, so much to keep track of so in this dense, movie. But clearly, someone says you can even hear the piano being tipped over. I didn't hear it. She is cutting off her own head with, with a piano, piano wire while she's floating about 12 feet in the air. So Peter looks, and then he hears the sound, he looks, and there's three naked cult members just standing, smiling in the corner. No! So, of course, he does what somebody finally should have done. He fucking jumps out the window. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm done. He's I'm like, I can't do I have to escape. So I hope that means that he died, or, like, his soul got to yes. die. Because the, the implication is that they've been trying to drive his soul out of his body. Okay. So that— Well, good job. So finally, he's on the ground, and the, you see a shot of him on the ground, and you hear her— finish so, uh, sawing her head off, and you hear her head hit the uh, attic floor. No. Okay. And then so finally, um, you see that glimmery uh, demon light from earlier go into his body. He wakes up. The implication is Payman, this demon king, is now inside him. Right. And as he looks up, he sees, of course, Tony Collette's headless corpse fly up into the treehouse. So he follows it up there. He walks into the treehouse, and the cult is there, and they're having it. They, it's sort of set up for him, like sure. a little ceremony. 
and he turns and there's sort of a wooden mannequin with a to hold a crown and the head oh. of the mannequin is of course Charlie's decapitated head of course and his mother and grandmother I mean god if we couldn't see that again I mean we had to and let me tell you it looks even worse well that's uh, not true it's not covered with ants anymore okay but it's like the decayed ants, more uh, yeah it's yeah. real bad real stuff <laughs> I was looking at Reddit people have gotten that tattooed no like, that's no those people got a long lot of wacky dackety tattoos really I mean they're blonde. very beautiful but they're insane but no there's nothing beautiful about that and so here's what my only problem with it I feel like you could have just ended it and been like we did a, de- a payments whatever yeah. and, but then Joan has to go up and I think have to be like hey in case you guys didn't get what was going on yeah. <laughs> your payment thanks so much um, you're gonna repay us bind all men to us you know and then like you'll we'll be serving you forever or whatever and then the final scene is they cut to that scene as a dollhouse so sort of we're seeing the image of it <laughs> um, and that's the end of the movie ah, it's um, so scary so do you have you watched that twice I watched it three times actually because I watched it once without taking notes and then I forgot all of it. Like I put, like I <laughs> right. should tell it today. Right. So then I had to go back and take notes. So I watched it three okay. times. You watched that movie three times. Yes. By choice. And I, the second time I cried is when he is in the attic saying, "Mommy, don't you have to stop." Well, yeah, that I, I would cried. I would cry at that. Yeah. Just I, so. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? What um, really stands I out? I hate to you? it. I yeah. hate everything yeah. about it. I mean, it's I will spooky. never. Yeah. It sucks because I like. The trailer is so beautiful. The trailer for the new it's one is so beautiful. It's a stunningly filmed I want to be able movie. to watch it. Yeah. That will ruin my life in a way that I'll never come back from. It's uh, horrible. And to answer your question before, I don't know what they're getting out of it. Because I understand right. the living, and maybe they're getting all these riches. The dead, do they come back? We don't see we that. We don't. Yeah. Do they live forever? Do they rule over hell? Unknown. Okay. So I don't know what they get. I have one more question for you then. Okay. Like, I feel like all horror movies have some kind of, like, mor- like moral to them. Yes. There's always yes. kind of, it's always just kind of like, you know, we know that, like, Get Out has one, Us has one, like, right. other older, what, like, I mean, everything has kind of this, like, point that it's trying to make. So, like, what is the moral of this movie? Well, I, <laughs> Do you think it has one? I think, no. Because I think the idea of what we're supposed to think is, like, this is all preordained, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And that's sort of, like, the... Heracles, Hercules sort of moral. But I think it's really more to me, it was like, because Ari Aster has talked about, he's saying like, oh, this is about a three-year period in in my family where it just felt like we were cursed, like we couldn't catch a break. And I think this is just sort of like the feeling of despair and trauma and like just sort of like trying to mimic that exact, that, that literally that feeling of dread. Yeah. So I don't think it was, I don't, I don't think there was a moral. I think it is like, how can I invoke that true yeah. paralyzing fear where you're like, oh no, it is all ruined. Like I, my hope there's nothing all we can up. do. Yeah. Cool. What a great yeah. movie and a great point to make. Yeah. That, like, everything is inescapable. It really and, makes you think, you know? Yeah. About never wanting to see it. <laughs> I mean, the moral to me is you, everyone needs to go to therapy. Yeah, that's a really good moral for a movie. I'll be honest. If your child is decapitated, get everyone in your family to therapy. Yeah. ASAP, you're, you're going not to doctors. regret it. No. Yeah. You're not, nothing bad is going to come of that. Bad things will come of meeting a woman named Joan. Exactly. So shout out to Ann Dowd. Killed it. Everybody oh, killed it. I mean, great cast. Yes. Phenomenal cast. Beautifully shot. Spooky. Never going to see it. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And we would love to hear you. So you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ruined Podcast. And please email us at ruined at theradiopoint.com. What should we be doing for November? What should we yeah. be doing for December? Uh, okay. 
What, what, what should we do? Tell what us. spooky stuff are we missing? We want to know. So tell us uh, what you're thinking. And on this night of nights, more than any other, Oof. I ask of you. We must. To please keep, keep it spooky. spooky. Bye. Bye-bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. 